You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. I was thinking around, yeah, that would be my hard cutoff in two hours, but one and a half hours or so, I went, feel like I went long last time just blabbing away. But um, that was the feedback we got. Yeah, uh, but I'm sure the when the, my last podcast when I was on was your by far your most lucrative and popular podcast ever by far. So you're welcome. They're all equally <laughs> equally lucrative. Yeah. Uh, if you're like, uh, who's that guy? Ah, skip, skip. Atkins, yes, the him. I want Whit- Lindsay, yes. Race, who? Skip. Do you know, Kirk, who our fastest first to, let's call it 3,000 downloads or two, th- whatever number you want, first episode, fastest download. Do you know who it was? Amelia Boone. Amelia Boone. Mm-hmm. Her wow. skyrocketed. Hasn't run a race in our sport <laughs> in, what, six years? The most popular person, not even close. Wow. Are things really um, correlated to like Instagram followers, basically, or is it? Is it outside of no. that? Is it other influence? And That's one of three components, I think. Kirk, I don't know what you think, but uh, followers helps, but only if they engage and share. Ah. Like we've had people with tons of followers, but they won't do anything with it because they, they have tons of followers and they do their own stuff. So if people share and give it to the people who they interact with who don't know us, that's number one. And then number two is name recognition. And three seems to be word of mouth. When there's a really good conversation, like Stephen Menya, for example. I don't know if you listened to that one, Glenn. I don't think so. No one in this outside of Minneapolis knows who Stephen Menya is, really. And yet he he has... <coughs> sorry. His numbers kept going up for months because of word of mouth. Because huh. he had just such an incredible story. Okay, so he has like a slow, linear increase versus a big boost in the beginning because of word of mouth. Yep. Versus, yeah. Okay, so that's that's going to be my only avenue to like have a good, high, you know, number podcast with you guys because I'm zero with those other two things. So I, I we're going to need huge word of mouth. You're not, on this. You don't have followers, and you're not going <laughs> to yeah, share. Well, it. I'll try to share. <laughs> I think if but, we put uh, your gray head of no hair one cares. right next to your most recent 5K time, I think people would be like, ooh, I'm intrigued because that guy is so gray, yet he is still fast. I want to hear more. I think that's going to get get him on the hook, Glenn. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pull up his last episode right now while you guys chat. I'm going to see what his numbers were All right. compared to everyone I, else. Oh, gosh. So, I'm sorry in advance, guys. But, yeah, I, I – uh, yeah, speaking of the gray hair, um, I heard Norm McDonald, who I'm a big fan of, he had mm-hmm. something to say about that. He says, like, you know, when God gives people, the uh, guys, the gray hair and we have white hair, and it's basically God's way of saying, you know, hey, get your affairs in order, <laughs> um, you know, get, get your, fi- your, you know, my, my, my five-year plan now is don't die, so... You I'm have a lot of kids so. to spread no. the wealth among, so you better keep working <laughs> right into the grave, Glenn. Uh, I, <laughs> I know. We had our fifth kid in two, 2021. So I was 41 years old when we had our number five, a little surprise COVID baby. So my, my coworker reminded me I'm, something about like, I'm going to be in my almost 
in my 60s, when I still have a teenager, I'm like, oh, come on, man. Why did you have to say it like that? <laughs> uh, first of all, I've been dating Jess for seven years. We're not married, but we both know which direction it's heading. And I have no kids and I'll be 40. So even if I get started at, let's say, 41, I mean, I'll be retired when my kids, I'm still changing their diapers. It's, you got to go. <laughs> it's a good reason to stay young <laughs> for as long as possible. That's what I'm using it as. Mm. Mm. Doesn't work yeah. that way. All right. So I got some numbers for Uh-oh. you. And Kirk, that's it's smart. It's also smart that you, you found Jess A because she's Jess. But B, she's a little younger than you. Do you know I matched with her the first day I put my lowest age criteria? I bumped it down one year. I'm like, ah, I just want to see what else is in this pond. And I bumped it down one year. She <laughs> popped right up. And she simultaneously had bumped hers up one year. So it was like ships <laughs> passing in the daytime, if that's a phrase. I don't know. <laughs> what are the yeah. numbers? Awesome. Uh, here's who Glenn is surrounded by. Yancey Culp. Dr. Anarobi. Kevin Gelati and Mark Gaudette, VJ Jones, Fred Clary, Rhea Coble, Nick Riker. Let's start with Nick. You had, you had 200 more downloads than Nick Riker. <laughs> Suck it, Nick. You outkick Rhea Coble. Wow. No way. Wow. Well, that's. Mm-hmm. You guys must have asked good questions because. I'm... You had a few hundred less than VJ, but only two hundred less. Oh, really? Okay. How do we? We got to figure out a way to. Maybe we have to. I I was I have a bunch of like uh, dad jokes. I I don't know. I just we need to find some kind of scheme to. Um... One hundred and fifty more downloads than Yancey Culp. <laughs> and one hundred less than Kevin Gelati. Yeah. Oh. So does Gelati t- his... take the cake here? Basically, almost almost tied with VJ, huh? Gelati was uh, 150 less than VJ. Talk about your different niche in the sport. Almost equal love in terms of interest for the episode as VJ. Polarizing people get downloads. That's what it is. Yeah. So Glenn, you're just in our ranking scale of people. You're you're one half of a tenth of a notch below Gelati. Nice. So that's where you. That's where you. Wow. Range. I thought I was gonna just. It was gonna be a huge flop so thanks for making me feel better about that yeah and let vj know and nick Riker. yeah yeah i should okay thank you yeah well they're gonna find out that. when they listen to this but yeah steven steven uh menya that his that podcast i'll definitely check that out i uh uh been uh listening to like they go back sometimes and listen to the good ones so um but yeah cool Awesome. So, all right. Well, I'll do what I can, guys, to uh, be engaging and uh, try to minimize my dorky uh, engineering kind of bland monotone. Be exciting. Well, lean into that. Yep. <laughs> That's yep. And definitely, be definitely look it. down so we can see all those grays real nice, like you currently are. That's going to help me feel a little. Better. Oh yeah. Um, looking at my notes. Oh, I bet. Uh, I wanna. I want to tell everybody why we're talking to you today because, Glenn, we we interviewed you. It has to be over two years ago, then, Bracken, that was, huh? Episode 61. We're on 300-something. So, okay. What, do, what right. is this one? Well, well, that, well, I mean, technically, that's that would have been uh, 114. Our 61st guest interview. No, 122. Good math. Um, yeah. <laughs> 121. I'm sticking with it. 
You made a post recently, Glenn, and if you noticed my message to you correlated right after that post, because I actually had, I don't know if it was a story you had posted about, you had just ran the Carlsbad 5K, and you made a post. And I actually want to read off some of your stats you wrote in this post, but it basically has to do with you still performing like a boss as a 42 or 43-year-old man. How old are you? 43. Okay, and for anybody who listens yeah, to this, turned 43. For anybody who listens to this podcast, they're sick of me talking about it, probably about to turn 40 and da, 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 and I'm sure they're just like, "Come on, Kirk, get over yourself." But it's been top of mind lately for me, right? Like I want to perform well as I get older, and there are very few who hang on into their early 40s that truly put out good metrics like equal to their lifetime metrics, lifetime best in their 40s. You rarely see it. And then I see your post, and I'm going to read your numbers, okay? You've run the Carlsbad 5K six times, I believe, from 2008 all the way to 2023. So that spans 15 years, 16 years. Bracken, how many years is that? Give me the math. <laughs> Not trying. 15. <laughs> 15, right. Okay. We're going to blame it on jet lag. So in 2008, how old were you when you first ran the Carlsbad 5K, Glenn? I was born right around 1980, so uh, 28. <laughs> You're an engineer. Right around. <laughs> we don't need to rely on carbon dating here. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that we know exactly when you were dating. born. <laughs> oh, man. Birth certificate no, was um, typed up on a typewriter. Yeah. Probably about then. Still. Yeah. So, so in like 2008, I was 28. Um, okay. And yeah. Well, I'll get to my point. 28 here, to 43 range. Yep, so 28, first Carl, Carlsbad 5K, 43, most recent Carlsbad 5K, which was, I think, last weekend. 2008, you run 1603. 2009, you run 1610. 2011, 1555. 2012, now that was a good year for you, 1529. 2013, 1550. And then fast forward a decade to 2023, and you run 1558. In a span of however 15 many years, your biggest discrepancy, I mean, your 1529 would be an outlier, but you're talking roughly 40 seconds. That's it. Your fitness never goes down. You haven't let it go. And you run one of your best times right in the wheelhouse at 43 years old. And I think that's worth talking about, Glenn. That's why I wanted to talk to you today. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Don't it was be fun. Humble. I like, uh, I was, I didn't know I, ran the Carlsbad 5000 that much. I even didn't even remember for sure if I broke 16. It was, it's my memory's going apparently. Cause after, so I didn't even know I broke 1530 for sure. I was, for sure. I didn't think I did that. So it's been a while. It was a short year. Yeah, that was windated a good one. And I just noticed I, um, I used to weigh myself religiously just cause I was really wanted to keep weight down back in those days. And I was around 155 then, um, plus or minus you know, three pounds. And I just weighed myself this morning and I was 170. <laughs> so it's like, oh, so that, 15, that was uh, 15 pounds heavier and you're still running as fast as ever. Yeah. Plus your age. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. I think another variable was I wore, ran the alpha flies and I think that really helped on my knees on the downhill and like the pound pounding on the whole, all my old bones. Mm -hmm. So it's that. I think was that a helps. that was that helped. I think for sure. But as as someone who runs in alpha flies, they do not help you uphill. 
true. Yeah. In fact, I think they're slower uphill than any old fashioned flat. I, I don't know if you ran in the streaks or the adios or what back in the day, but any one of those would have been faster on the return trip. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, thanks for your, uh, podcast on the shoes that actually, I cut, I, th- I was thinking about that, thinking about like the turn, like races with a lot of turns, how the alphas and even vapors wouldn't be super helpful. The more turns there are. And I was thinking about that for de- decas and stuff after listening mm-hmm. to your shoe podcast bracking. Cause it's made me think like, ah, like I will go into that later, but with uh, the deca mile world champs last year, I tried wearing my uh, vapor flies modified with um vj grip and uh that ended up being huge huge mistake multiple for multiple reasons but all those turns on those really high uh cushion shoes i could i think you made a good point how it's not beneficial fortunately carlsbad 5000 only has like four turns so uh two two hairpins and two 90 degree turns so i felt like based on what you were saying there uh with lisa on that podcast where it was no, it didn't um, degrade it too much. And on the downhill at the end, that was fun. <laughs> it was just fun to blast <laughs> that finish. on The the Carlsbad 5000 starts up with a little uphill, and then for like three quarters of it is just flat back and forth along the beach, um, running on asphalt. And then the last like 200 meters is like a nice, solid, down, slightly angled downhill. And that that was juicy. That was just like fun to just be able to... <laughs> Uh, use some of that like downhill speed from all these years of Spartan tr- downhill training. And uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of my hope, like that I could be within range and I caught the guy I was hoping to catch. Um, and, uh, but luck- I couldn't believe I caught the other guy and I didn't even think I got third place. Cause I caught that guy and there was three guys ahead of me still, but one of them, they have this thing where they have younger guys could do four 5k races throughout the day um, on this other type of thing. And he was a 20 something year old who beat me. So I ended up getting top three and I didn't even show up to the podium picture. Cause I didn't, you know, I'm old and race brain. I don't, I didn't think I even qualified and I missed the pictures and awards and stuff. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I was surprised. I even, it was, I didn't even think I was top five, but, um, yeah, it, it was fun. It's fun to be able to uh, close like that. I literally passed him, I think in the last like two or three seconds, and when I was uh, storming the end there. So that is the funnest type of like 5K road race to do when you could finish like that. Other than that, like I mentioned in my post, I really like doing the hybrid and obstacle racing a lot more than road racing just because like that Carlsbad 5, that's about as good as it gets. Like having a fun finish uh, like that and stay play, play to your game the whole rest, main race and then finish well. So anyway, sorry. I, I digress. I have two questions about that. I know, Kirk, you have a path here, but right. I love a good race story. How fast were you closing? You have a slight downhill. <laughs> Sounds like you were rolling. What? You, I know you looked at your data. What did you hit in that last quarter mile? Oh, it it, it goes like downhill, a little tiny bit of flat because there's a railroad, and then a little downhill again. I had a couple sections where it was going right around in the like low four-minute pace on the down and then back to like 4.30 for a, a couple seconds and then down to like, well, for a few seconds, it was like 3.30 pace. It was just crazy. On the very last one, I passed the second guy right near the finish. Yeah. It was, but you know how that is with, you know, I, it's, it's a little, it's fun to say, oh, I hit 3.30 pace for like one second. 
Well, like, yeah, that's what GPS <laughs> tells you when you go around a corner. You like, you know, so it's not take that with a grain of salt. But it was, I felt like it was around in that like four minute to four third, four three minute to four twenty pace ish for that last point yeah. one point two miles or so. Uh, so yeah, that's cruising at the end for an old man. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. I but it, it that's why it pays to keep that. And I've run, obviously, I saw I've ran it five times before, and it, it, I've killed myself on that first mile, right? Because, you know, a little uphill, you burn that match a little too much. Carlsbad is a little strategic in that way. And then I had only a 5.16 second mile, so I really, that's where I kind of messed up. I didn't mess up, but I went like 5.06 for the first mile, 5.16 for the second mile. And then I think the last final average around like 5.02 for the last mile, mile something you know that pace low five for that to average that i think was 508 509 total for the 5k but it uh yeah i had had to do some work on that but um i know but it's funny i uh i was looking at mark botris's time from last year and i feel like he like didn't even it's like a super c race for him and he like easily hits you know, a time of fitness where Kirk's at, where he's like, he's hitting 15, 20 something, I think last year. And, uh, but that's where, you know, you could see, you know, specific fitness where like VJ had like 1604, I think on that, but like, that was, I think another, like a D race for him. It feel like so, but and he's just kind of spur of the moment kind of race for him where if he was trying, yeah. he could be low 15s, I think, but Anyway, know what I want to know is, well, first of all, you're saying you took third for the master's division and this is a huge 5k, Correct. like there's tens of thousands. Is that safe to say people run this race? So something like that, right. For, so out of everyone, not so to, yeah. Taking top three in the senior division, we will call it is very impressive right away. My competitive mind goes to what was the winner? How fast did the winner run the Carlsbad 5,000? What did it, what would it take to win the seniors dude. race? Oh, the, for the seniors, dude, that guy's a stud. I remember him back in the, my twenties. Um, he was, uh, Sergio Reyes. You heard of him? Um, Rings a bell for he, some reason, but... yeah, he is, I forget. I, I don't know. I think he was, I don't know if it's just mile stuff or marathon. I think he was all over the place. Because that name definitely rings a bell for me back 10, 15 years ago when I did road racing. I, you know, I wasn't elite, but I remember him being at a pretty elite level. Maybe he was on a farm team or something for a while. But um, he's my age, I think, 43-ish, 40, right around there. Um, but he was 14, 40-something. <sighs> And he crushed it. Yeah, 440-something pace. Um, And uh, the guy who's the favorite, typically a guy, another stud named Roosevelt Cook, and he's my age as well, and he was, I think, low 15s. And he's been consistent for the past, like, uh, 12, 13 years doing this race. Like, he's my age, so he's always in my age group, and he beats me by, you know, (laughs) almost a minute every time. So... Um, and I, frankly, right, I'm right around the, this was a slow year for the third place masters. Usually the third place is finishing more like 15, 30 or 40 something. So I, I got lucky and, uh, that there weren't more fast masters guy that happened to do it. And they actually had a little prize money. I was surprised. It was 500, 200, 100 plus a $170 pair of Brooks shoes. So I was, that, I didn't even know until the day before the race. So that was a little uh, bonus, and I didn't feel as bad for missing Deca NorCal 
because I had a little FOMO after thinking that I possibly could have squeaked out a second place if I would have went, but, uh, and it was relatively close, could have dro driven with uh, fellow local studs, John Clark and Aaron uh, Nolan drove up, but anyways, I was like, well, that, my plan is to come really fit for DECA SoCal, but, um, and uh, put in a good time, try to get a master's record and beat Robert Killian's time of like 13, 31, 20 something for the DECA fit okay. masters. So, well, Glenn, I pulled up Sergio Reyes. Mm. His 5k PR is 1352. 28, 29, 10k, mm. 103, half marathon, 213, 34 marathon. Top eight in Chicago, Chicago marathon. He's, so he's not, uh, he's not slow. Yeah, yeah. You know they just had the Masters uh, ten mile championship recently. Do you want to know what it took? Tyler German just told me this on our last episode. Do you want to know what it took to win the U.S. ten mile Masters championship? Any guesses, yeah. guys? Forty eight minutes. I think it was both or forty nine low one and two. Yeah, and then third was fifty and change. That's what it takes these days. That's Ooh. quick. It's quick. Although, I think you're going to be able to do that. That's what he said. He was like... I think at 40, 41, you can run five flat for 10 miles. God. Get off whatever you're smoking. By by you, just so the audience knows, Kirk Bracken's talking very exclusively to Kirk when he said <laughs> you right there. So just so everyone knows. I'm putting it out there to the to the panel. <laughs> but no, that's... Uh, yeah. I'm excited for you to, to see what you'll end up uh, trying, Kirk, because, um, I mean, for instance, if you were... At Carlsbad, well, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're in sub 15 pace uh, shape, but I'm not right now. You could give second place a run for his money at low 15. I think it'd be exciting. Uh, yeah, it'd be cool to see you. But obviously, that wouldn't be your optimal type of <laughs> race to come all the way to West Coast just it to might. do that I like the West type Coast. of Carlsbad 5000. But whatever race you do, I'm super excited to see what you. Well can pull off just like every conversation when bracken was gone this is going to be a selfish one as well i'm sorry bracken i set this up but bracken didn't know i set this up i was right. i was uh i set this one up because bracken was still in the air i believe bracken and i set this one up in route back so whoops <laughs> well why don't you why don't you ask glenn some things you you want to cover first because i i have a direction of course so well this is going to serve me as well it's i i grew up a fan of all sports and as a result, I played every video game for the sports. And whether it was NBA Live or NBA 2K or Madden, uh, you always build your team. And all you do is stock up on young players. And then watching the NBA, watching NFL, you knew that somewhere between 29 and 32, athletes were going to start to drop off a cliff in ball sports, in most ball sports, in fast twitch-based things. Like an NFL running back, by 32, is ancient. NBA, when you're in your mid-30s, you're really old. And as runners, we were pretty used to seeing that. Yeah, you'd see some marathoners in their upper 30s, low 40s, but it was few and far between. When Meb made a team, and I think, uh, who else made a team? Meb was 40 um, Abdi the head, right? Made a team at 41, yeah. 40. It was shocking. And so personally and selfishly i've been looking at this process like because i just went in for a knee mri two weeks ago three weeks ago right before three weeks right before the trip to find out am i gonna have to get surgery when i come back and and i i'm fine 
fine-ish, but thinking, is it even worth it coming back? That, that thought process crossed my mind. I'm turning 36 in May. 36 is too old to play any major ball sport other than baseball, which is barely even a sport. And I say that as a baseball <laughs> fan. I got, it's a sport, Amen. but it's barely an athletic one. All right, that's that's up there with bowling. And I love baseball, and I played baseball, but you don't have to be any sort of athlete to be good at it. But thinking, okay, I'm 36. If I take all this year to try to regain fitness, then it's 37. And what do I have? 37? I'm already lost my fast twitch, and now 38, and then all I have left is like long stuff? I don't know. Is it worth it? And then seeing your 1558 and seeing Kirk at 39, time trial, what, 1526, 1523, something like that? I think I was 28. 1528. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm embarrassed. It's I should know better. It's, it, it's, it's a good reminder that we do not have to abide by the same rules as fast twitch sports or as the shorter distance running. Kirk and I grew up running track, and there weren't many milers, which was our event, in the Olympics, at the age he and I currently are. It just didn't happen. So hearing your story is going to do a lot for me because that that thought process starts to become, all right, how many good years do I have left? Do I just go all in on one or do I keep my long-term progression going? And I think I think that there's a lot of people out there who get this false sense of impending doom and try to do too much all at the end of their perceived edge of their career before moving on to then I'll just go do whatever after that. So I'm excited to hear all these things. What, what you respond to in training right now, because you ran 1550 for the first time at like 30 and now at 43, you're on 1558 and I doubt you're training the same way, but you're getting almost the same exact result out of it. So this is all, this is all good for me. I'm not your guy's age, but I'm right behind. That's my next stage of my career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I um, have a few notes and uh, definitely a few thoughts regarding that as far as things that um, I feel like I could touch on reg- uh, regarding that answer. Is, was there anything else or should I touch on? <laughs> hold on. Hold up what you got here. What do thoughts? you have here? Glenn? Let's, let's understand. <laughs> yeah. what You keep looking down, so you must have something down there that you've written on. Can I see it? Can I see what you put together? Yeah. Okay, he's come prepared. Oh, Mike, look at all that. No, it's, <laughs> it looks like my middle school notebook. Okay. You got that, right? Yeah. You yeah. said yep. you have a photographic memory. So. Yeah, hey, so. good, good memory there. I do, and yep, I understand. I see there's a line going from upper left down to the middle right, and there's a bunch of gibberish <laughs> written on one side of it, and one the other side's got more gibberish. How's that? Yeah, yeah, I had my uh, DECA simulation... Uh, workout I did this morning and my my, <laughs> my uh, sim- inter- simulation intervals that I did at the gym just now before coming here. But besides that, on the other side of the paper, yeah, I have just a couple uh, thoughts, um, a few jokes. I don't, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to even try to do any <laughs> of my chat. <laughs> just to kind of keep things fresh, to keep the audience uh, engaged, because I think engagement, no, um, well, lead yeah, us off. Yeah, I have a few thoughts of things where I feel like the last few years that I feel like that I've gotten in the groove to and like this, like regarding consistency and routine and stress, weight, and diet kind of stuff. But I don't know. Feel free to, if you had any other things before I 
touch on a couple of those? I think we let you lead this one. I do like seeing that Monday through Saturday or Sunday little sample script. Oh, there. yeah. Something like that appears. This is just, I knocked my camera over getting this. This is from when I was teaching in 2011. And if you look in here, you see these little calendars in there. Go back a few more days. At the bottom of this one, another little calendar at the bottom here. Just always scheduling out what, what that sample week could look like or the most common week of the next block. So I, I like seeing a handwritten notepad. <laughs> yeah. I, that, yeah, because I... I, I'm. Uh, I just got a had a meeting yesterday with my work, saying I'm going. I, I've been working remote the past three years with COVID, and I just found out I'm going to be going back three days a week into the office, and it's mm. and it's not a long commute, so it's it's totally fine. But I need to figure out like that's part of what goes into this, like trying to. One of my big things has been like sustainability, and like how can I do a type of you know even just my Monday through Friday workout like, you know for right now Monday rest. Tuesday easy, Wednesday intervals, uh, Thursday easy, Friday very easy. So Saturday can be a, a solid temp threshold or race, and then Sunday is long, long with sometimes some progression, uh, like a little harder effort. So Saturday, Sunday are usually two pretty hard days. That's why Monday is a rest day. But anyway, like that goes into uh, what I wanted to say about both routine and consistency, because that's the training bit where. These last three year, three or four years, I've made a big shift, and when I'm getting older, to find find that I'm only gonna do it a hard work every third day. So that's why on, of course, this week it was shifted uh, because I had the Carlsbad 5000 on a Sunday, so my long run was shifted to Monday, and that's why I'm, Thursday is my hard as my interval day. But anyways, I've. Did, uh, incorporated taking a rest day of like trying to go zero running after the weekend every week and I found that I used to not like to do that because I used to like to do easy jog for you know five to eight mile just a nice shuffle but I found that after you know week to week you do little tests on your on yourself and like use yourself as your own guinea pig and if you work with a coach you kind of like communicate that with them and I found that Taking a full day rest, maybe go for a, like an, a, an easy bike ride to the gym, but running wise, like don't put more mileage on the legs. Like let it have a f nice, good reset on Monday after Saturday threshold and Sunday long run, because um, that's a lot of work. And and then then and then after the Monday rest, take a nice easy Tuesday, um, which for me is like a you know seven to ten mile easy effort, of all based on heart rate. I've been using heart rate is one of my main metrics to work off of. And on easy days, heart rate is just used as a governor. Like I try not to go over 70% on my max heart rate. Um, my max heart rate is now like 172 ish. So I don't try to go over 104 for heart rate. Um, if I don't have to, and just so I could, cause you, I want to keep save up to be able to really have mainly it's two days a week, my interval day on Wednesday and my threshold day on Saturday. And that's kind of goes to my routine where I look forward to those days and that kind of keeps it fun and fresh where I really want to like this morning, all the last three days since my day off on Tuesday, my easy day yesterday, um, making sure I don't go too hard. Um, even though I get maybe one and a half ish of aerobic in, um, none of that I want to be hard so that I could really strike a match today and have my routine of, I take my, um, 
not beat elite now. Now what is it? It's that other, I uh, take that other stuff with the beat, um, sustain elite, whatever they, one of those things that ends in elite. Perform elite. Perform elite. Yeah, that one. That's been my favorite. Um, beat elite was awesome when you're sponsored and I got it free for five years with Yancey and I think there's benefit, but th- this uh, perform elite's awesome because whether or not, I don't know exactly if it, how much it really helps you. But I feel that little tingly 20 minutes after I take it. And I'm like, that's good enough yep. for me. Psychologically, I'm in. So that when it's go time and I had my intervals at the gym to do a DECA, uh, my DECA fit, DECA mile simulation, I feel like I really could put 100% in. And uh, I, yeah, I do my intervals. I track it. Can I stop you here? Yeah, please. Said your max heart rate right now is 172, and you'll stay at 104 under on easy days. Exactly. Yep. Two things. One, I think it's good for people to hear this because a question we hear all the time is, is my heart rate too low or too high? My max heart rate is blank or my easy. That sounds too low or too high. It is incredibly personal, and there's no such thing as a like a normal heart rate. But second is, that all that being said, that's exceptionally low. Probably the lowest I've heard of yes. of someone with your fitness and your age. And I know that you, you, I mean, you're an engineer. You're not someone who's just dabbling in tech and numbers. So wh- what has your heart rate progression been over the course of your career? Have you always had a very low max heart rate? Yes. I feel like some of my uh, metrics and heart rate monitors I've used in the past have been less accurate. So I'm not 100% sure if uh, it was on track but in general yeah it's been really low i suspect it's due to just physiological you guys know more but i probably have a like a large heart in real life and physiological uh and it probably the stroke you know it's so i don't need to, it does it's a low heart rate basically so i think um it's the highest you've ever seen uh well that's I should like sh- I, yeah, it's may- not worth trying to show it. But like on, I I mentioned it on a post how uh, on a story I mentioned how actually on this at the very end when I hit that like four minute pace at the very finish, I got it. I have it set on my watch to one seventy two, which I've never gotten higher in it in any of my like assault bike insane high work on a few of these workouts I've done recently. But it got to one seventy four. And I threw out something in a story saying, hey, I should probably adjust it because I'm probably off a little bit on what I'm setting my max heart rate to. Because if I got 174, and I don't think it's inaccurate because I'm using the uh, polar arm band and the rest Mm -hmm. of the whole race, it was accurate. And in this, I don't see any reason to think that it was off because I did make a push at the end and it jumped from 170 to 174. So all to say... It's right around there. I might have to adjust my metrics, but um, yeah, it's uh, that's about the highest I've ever gotten the last couple of years. Which... What about prior to that? Lifelong. What's the highest heart rate you've ever seen? We did a heart rate testing in college my freshman year, and then in an OCR race, I hit a new high um, during a race, and then I've had a few that I don't necessarily trust, but significantly, not that heart rate is a badge of honor, but... Most people see significantly over 172, but at the end of a 5K race in 15 minutes of duration with a finishing sprint all out, ramping up from probably like 600 meters out, that's that's going to get you near your max for most people. So I don't, I'm not doubting you. It's just, this is insanely low. Kirk, have you ever heard of anyone this low? Nope. 
And I've never heard any of anybody trying to make such a gap between their max heart rate and then their recovery effort um, heart rate as well. Uh, it's very, even though it's a low max heart rate, it's also a very low number to be staying under in relation to your max for recovery work. Um, a real curiosity for perspective for the listeners. And actually, it's funny. I got the question today, am I running too slow on my recovery days? The second time I've gotten it. Am I running too slow and my heart rate's too low on my recovery days that it's not even really worth it? And this is, you know, it depends on heat, wind, terrain, physiological damage from workouts. But let's say you ran 509 pace for your 5K recently. What kind of pace range would a 104 or under heart rate be getting you? How slow are you running on your recovery days and how compared to your, your 5K time trial pacing? Um. Uh, that usually puts me right around like uh, eight minute mile pace um, on the treadmills and on the road. Um, the yeah, right around that, and I'm fine to go uh, nine minute mile shuffle if it if the heart rate's yeah telling me it elevated at all. But usually that's around between, and sometimes it's up to like seven thirty. So it's a little faster, seven thirty pace. That's um, really quick. Like for on a heart treadmills rate that at the low. gym, where it's like opposite. that's very quick for a heart rate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's and and it's like I was looking at. It. So one hundred four is sixty percent of max heart rate. If it's uh, one hundred seventy two, is your max. So I and I do my. I put it at one hundred four to one twenty is my max. Like I, I, I kind of I probably said that a little off. Like I want to be right around one hundred four. If I'm at 110, totally fine. I don't want to hit over 120. So I guess that uh, would be a little more accurate to say. Like, when I hit 120, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Like, enough of that. I could do it for, like, a little bit. Uh, on a, but um, I really try to not do anything sustained over that amount. Because I know that doesn't benefit me. And if I want to, you know, following a lot of Jack Daniels kind of coaching philosophy of, like, you know, I want to go hard on the my quality days and i don't want to take anything away from that so yeah uh so 120 what is yeah if you were and and i have a i have a number like that in my head it's 140 if i see my if i see my heart rate start to get over 140 on a recovery day i back it off but if we're simplifying what i'm understanding what's your max heart rate oh i don't know i saw 191 or 193 in my last 5k time trial over the summer um so we're not far off actually which is funny so 140 over 193 is 72.5 of your is about 72% of your max heart rate. Okay. So that, that makes sense, right around 70. Yeah. Yeah. Um but if we're going to summate so people can grasp this concept, I I feel like if you want to simplify it and you want to take the numbers out of it and you just want to talk about our feelings here, you are one not overworking most days. And two, you're craving your next quality days versus dreading it because you're forcing yourself to hold back and go so easy in between that you actually look forward to your quality sessions versus where half of our listeners are dreading them, probably because they're operating on a half battery due to overworking in between. Like, Would that be a fair way to summate that non-scientifically? Yes, perfect. Okay. No, that that's great. I think that's a great way to... Um put that in a succinct sentence or two. Yep. So I've watched your training. We're, we're friends on Strava and in real life. And so I've watched your training over the years and 
you know, when you first came on the scene, like all of us, you were doing a decent amount of interval work. And then you got into the ultra scene. And it was a lot of long hill reps on there. And now, now you're at 43 and your wheels are clearly still there. So you're doing interval work once per week. You're doing some potentially thresholdy work or races or whatever on the weekend. What does your quality look like now compared to what you've done in the past? Yeah. The, like you said, I got into ultra in like late 2017 through 2019. And then in 2020 through now, I realized, hey, I kind of... I'm not that good at ultra and it was fun to try and it was super awesome to go to take my wife to uh, Iceland for a couple weeks and then Sweden and go around Europe and Sweden. Like we never did that before we had kids, but uh, we were able to have a babysitter. And so that was, that was a fun stint. Um, and uh, just for life and for training to be able to experience what it's like to put in a couple, put in weekly four hour long runs and see how that affected me and give it a shot in long stuff. All to say, yeah, I didn't feel like uh, I performed at the level that I was I would like to with expectations. So that's why I went back down and I realized, oh, I still have some speed. So the last few years I went back to say, A, uh, I, there's a lot of sprints and supers near me. And so again, going back to like something that can be consistent sustainable with spartan races local i can oh win 500 bucks at a local spartan race and that keeps me motivated and these are sprints and supers they're not longer and i kind of like the 5k because that's where my wheelhouse was and more my skill set back in 10 from 10 years ago and i feel like oh i still have some so if i keep developing that that can work so you kind of find what i enjoy doing and hopefully it matches with what you're good at and that's why I went from ultra to more short stuff. And I like, uh, you know, kept, then I set up more specific obstacles in the backyard at that time to really get um, uh, tr- the specific specificity going with the training. Um, and so that has uh, been a few reasons why that's been a focus uh, these last few years. And, um, yeah. And so what does that look like in terms of intensities and in terms like you, you talked about what Wednesday you're doing a threshold. I mean, uh, you're doing an interval session yep. and then Saturday threshold. What are those workouts typically looking like these days? So right now it is getting, I'm setting up for uh, the DECA fit in Anaheim in SoCal. So I'm starting to um, uh, sharpen for that. So right now I'm getting very specific with a lot of it look like, um, like a, a couple months ago, it was more, I would do pure running. Like I would maybe go on the track and do five, one mile intervals, uh, from, for, uh, my, um, interval day. And that would be one example. Another example would be, that's a little more hybrid would be three, one mile intervals for my first, third and fifth interval. So that's a five minute going at hard effort, which is about nine, try to aim between at right around 90% of my max heart rate. So pretty high heart rate for five, about five minutes with about three to five minute rests. And then that would be intervals like one, three, and five would be just running. And intervals four, two, four, and six would be where I would run. It'd be like a hybrid type uh, interval where I'd run for a minute and then do a rower for two minutes and then 
run for a couple more minutes. And that would be my five minute interval. So, and then, and, you, and it would be something like that for those three hybrid intervals. So it would be really high effort, like six by five minutes, essentially, right? Um, it's, I it modeled a lot after like a Jack Daniels, just a real basic interval day. But instead of just running, I'll start mixing in. And now as we're getting closer to a race, what are we, four weeks out from DECA? I'm do, like today I did none of my intervals were pure running. It's now gone to all little mini simulations where I go that the hybrid style where I do a couple minute run, a couple minute on a rower, a couple minute run and a couple minute on a bike and a couple minute run. So it's like a five to minute, five to 10 minute long um, little sim mini simulations that I do. And I did five intervals of that, which are between five and 10 minute long um, intervals. And I know 10 minutes is a bit long to be at your like traditionally what you'd call like a fully, you know, interval Jack Daniels. Like you shouldn't have anything really longer than five minutes. So I'm kind of getting into that where it's like cruise intervals where it's like high threshold slash compromised running. And I'm willing, yeah, I'm in that five to 10 minutes for there. So that would be an interval. And then a threshold would be something where tradition, I would maybe do a 20 minute long run. Um, again, in that maybe 80 to 90% of max, 85 to 90% of max heart rate, um, range. And it would, it, maybe a couple months ago, it would just be a pure running where I just do go out for a 20 minute threshold run. And then I would progress to maybe three to four, 10 minute thresholds with only a, like a one to two minute rest on threshold workouts. You want those breaks to be shorter to keep your heart rate higher. However, then more recently, I would do something like a um, a couple of my intervals where I kind of went like a pure running inter threshold work. It's kind of mixed with interval where I would do a, um, let's say an 800 at try to hold like five minute pace. And then I would jog um, one lap around the track at like a uh, seven to eight minute mile pace, but I would try and actually be closer to like seven minute mile. So it would be, what do they call that? Where it'd be like a, where I wouldn't be rest. I would try to like keep um, float. I would float at a, a, not like a sitting there, not like 10 minute mile pace. I would go five minute mile pace for two laps and then one lap at like seven minute mile pace where I would kind of keep the heart rate a little bit high. And then I just, I did that for eight times. So for about 20 to 30 minutes, you're moving the whole time and you have some recovery on that one seven minute mile lap. But then, um, that would be what a threshold would look like, um, a few weeks ago. And currently now a threshold might be a full simulation. So on Saturday, I might do a full, uh, like maybe three 15 minute, uh, simulations that are not as intense as my Wednesday interval simulation, but um, I would do something that would be longer and not quite as intense, but um, I would put in a good amount of, you know, have like 20 or 30 minutes of where my heart rate's uh, pretty high. So four to six weeks out, you're shifting from non-race specific to specific or how far out? Right. Yeah, that's approximately. It's just like the one to two months out, I slowly get my workouts. It's not, a, maybe, I think you guys have mentioned it too, Kirk, where you're kind of, you go by feel for a lot of it, 
where it's not an exact plan where I have like the last 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is exactly how I'm going to, you know, transition from mostly pure running to this. Because um, what it is too, a couple months out, it's pure, a lot of the intervals are maybe pure running, but it's also a lot of like, I'm doing more. This was another thing, like with the hybrid work, I, re- I realized I'm totally weak <laughs> and I really suck at like, the strong elements of my DecaFit races. <laughs> I'm like, anything that requires more strength, like the shoulder over, like I sucked. And I hated getting my butt kicked by everyone on anything that involves strength. So after last year with injury, um, I really wanted to like put a big block of strength in where I'm having your typical gym days where I'm just going to the gym at least three times a week where like building on some strength that I saw that like it's such a huge glaring weakness in all of my hybrid just for me it's just DECA I'm not doing any um of the high rocks so yet I don't have any plans to but um it's hard enough just for strength wise for me to do DECA so I'm not I don't have plans to do anything where I feel like high rocks involves even more of a strength base but um but so that's been my push too. I wanted to not do NorCal, not do a bunch of hybrid races early on and just do, try to just get my strength up, whether it's bench press a little bit and then, but a lot of like rowing and back shoulders and try to bulletproof myself a little better so that I won't be as prone to injury, which happened a lot last year. Cause I just started to run to the gym. Oh, I'm doing DECA now after 10 years of doing like running in the hills and that was my mistake of like, get, I hurt myself, like my lower back, I hurt my upper back and uh, a couple other, my shoulder, I would be like, not be able to train, right? Because I would go too hard on like trying to lift the 60 pound ball over my shoulder for like four sets. And I'd like, my lower back would get strained and I'm like, oh crap, I'm old. <laughs> I can't do that. I used to be able to do that in my twenties, but um. So that's, I've had to really shift the way I, this year, the way I look at my training where I'm almost not doing any types of like squats, deadlifts, or where I'm lifting stuff up like that. And I've had to just like tweak my training because I know my weaknesses and I'm not going to hurt myself if I try to do like any of that. So I'm open to a good coach that could like point me into a direction of like maybe how to like work through that. But I'm almost going to give up on because I feel like I continually hurt myself if I try to like do that motion where you're bending over and picking things up. So you kind of, I'm having to like really realize where my limitations are. It's another part of getting old and just seeing like, okay, but I don't really have to do a ton of like picking up this ball in the race. You only have to do a few of those. So I'm not going to risk hurting myself. I'm going to really work on these other elements of strength and get a little stronger in the gym. So I'm not like tweaking my back and do it, messing up my shoulder unnecessarily. So I really wanted to try to have that be my thing for the first half of this year. So I'm not hurting myself so I could actually train properly. So I don't know. That's been my uh, reasoning for the way I've kind of waited to do uh, more races and why I'm peaking uh, with my like race specific stuff now, just these last few weeks before SoCal. So I'm waiting on you, Bracken. I can see you got something in the chamber. It's funny because everyone we talk to is still doing the same things as we are. Like we look over at 
Glenn or we look at Tyler that you Tyler Germain who you just talked to and we we see them as their results. It doesn't change the fact that they're all still internal with their training and trying to figure it out. Like we're all still trying to figure it out. Even when we know our principles and we know our philosophies and we know what works for our body, we keep finding new things that don't work for our body or that do a little different. And Glenn's 43 and he just PR'd and he's got this secret to the fountain of youth. And then he's sitting over here like, I'm just not going to do this anymore because I get hurt. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to try, I'm still working on my way around this. Or now I'm, I used to do more work at this eight weeks out and now I'm doing it four to five weeks out. Like we continually look at athletes as they are their results. And we forget that we're all doing the same things, which is constantly trying to optimize and stay healthy. And I like hearing these things. I think it's encouraging to everyone to hear that even someone who from the outside looks like he's got to have it all nailed down. He's doing something different this year in his 43rd year. He's doing something different in the first half of his year than he's ever done before. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I feel like another thing too, is just been, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times you hear emphasis on like, Oh, diet and food and what are eating and, I, I mean, for me, I like to tell, like, shout it out to the world. I'm actually a strict vegetarian. And, um, I mean, I'm not completely strict. I eat chicken and beef. But other than that, I'm just completely strict. <laughs> and, well, there's, I eat also fish and pork. Too. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, no, I, I'm. No, is that, is that in the, in the dad joke column <laughs> yeah, on your notepad? Sorry. I, I have that okay. written down here. I had to say that. Keep that one as a maybe. <laughs> Mark that down. No, I'm I, I'm really not strict at all on any level. Like, I've... Because I feel like that's one of those things. Where people say, oh, look what I eat in a day. I, I want to do that just to mock the people who say, like, look how healthy I eat. And I think it is. But I feel like... I don't That's one of those things for me where, like, diet... I, maybe that's why I've gained 15 pounds in the last year. <laughs> but, like, I'm more and more the hunter mentality where I used to be wary of the way Hunter said like, Oh, you could weigh a little more and still move well and do that. And I used to be very hesitant, like, ah, you can't do that. And you know, that was to be like, ah, no, I'm going to stick with my, I'm going to be as lean as possible and be very, very strict and weigh myself every morning. I did that for over a decade. And like, I haven't done that in a couple of years. Miserable psycho, isn't it? Yeah. And I feel like, you know what? I'm going to just, um, not focus on that kind of thing as much. And I think there's a place for it. And I think it's interesting to have that. But for me now, I kind of like my diet, I eat like, like almond butter toast and maybe a few egos. I have like count chocula for lunch. You know, I don't know. I just, I have whatever. I, I don't eat any vegetables anymore because I had a injury to my knee, I fell in Lake Tahoe, 2016, 15 stitches. I got anab- um, antibiotics and that like jacked up my gut. And I basically, it, anytime I have uh, many types of veggies, like most of the veggies, I get, uh, I, are you allowed to curse on this? No, I, I'll just say I have yes. yucky. Um, Absolutely. Okay. I'll, I'll say like I uh, have yucky diarrhea and like poopy Glenn, not sure. yeah. so, that is now that is yeah, I, 
Yucky diarrhea. Too much for this podcast. Uh, so, <laughs> My mom listens to this, Glenn. She Glenn. can't hear yucky. Um, so, but any, yeah, and it's like, so I've like had to change my diet the last few years to basically I don't have any of that stuff. And I was used to think. Which of those words was a swear word, by the way? I'm still hung up on yucky diarrhea. Were, in, were you, were you going to no, use a I'm swear just, word? I'm saving up. No, it's kind of for a joke I have later on. I, I just needed to know that. I wasn't saying a bad word right then. It's going to be for later. So, oh, okay. um, He's playing I'm chess here. trying to here. set up a good... <laughs> yeah, we are, yeah. The listeners we have so to wait to the end of the podcast. I'm trying to figure out all these little schemes to keep the listeners so that... I'll, at the end, I'm going to unveil my great joke that might have a bad word in it. So... But, um, no, I think that it's... So you don't need any vegetables anymore? No, very rarely. Maybe a little baby carrot, a few baby carrots, you know, at night. Um, but I don't feel like, I don't know, that might come to bite me. So maybe my, like, fitness is okay, but my health is crappy. But, uh, I don't know, I have blood tests and it seems okay. But I've been eating way more bacon and eggs, like, every morning. It's four pieces of bacon and three eggs. What I have, I, why am I, I don't know why I'm looking down. I don't have that written down, but it's something where I thought I shouldn't eat eggs and I shouldn't eat, you know, especially the yolk or a lot of bacon. That's really bad. But I don't, I just like, I don't, like for some reason, uh, so I don't know. That's been a thing too. Like with diet and food, I've kind of just e- eating what I enjoy and not kind of holding back from a lot of things and just to enjoy it and be, not be totally dumb and have like fast food every day but just be something again go stick with something that's sustainable and something that you find like for me veggies mess me up you know and i can't eat oats either that that messes me up i can't do dairy anymore you know and so then you just kind of just like with well listen glenn people can't turn this podcast off and be like what'd you take away from it and they're like yeah i'm not supposed to eat vegetables anymore like that we can't we can't be sending that into the world, Glenn. That's my message. <laughs> that's we can't be sending that into the world, Glenn. I'm Glenn, anti. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is from antibiotics. Yeah. Oh, right, this is this. I don't know. That's my new my platform. Anti uh, vegetables and I'm anti cannibalism. Those are my anti two veg- main. You're an anti vegetable vegetarian. If I'm understanding correctly. Yeah. It's, uh, okay. Well, That's you know. Be a tough, yeah, I don't. Really limited scope yeah. of food choices. This stemmed from the result of antibiotics from that cut or from an infection you sustained from the cut? Uh, no, the antibiotics itself, I believe, that I had in the ER um, in Tahoe right after having it. And I think it um, it jacked up my gut biome or whatever that stuff is. Because I think that right that after in that week, uh, that messed me up and ever since then I would have like a salad or something and um, yeah, like ice and it just kind of, it was never the same and lots of other foods were just not good on my tummy. Was that like 2017? 2016. 2016. Yeah. Late September 26. Yeah. That's when I seeing you after the finish line and you, your shin was folded over itself. Like you gashed yourself so hard. You had a flap of skin hanging down and I was like, who's this? It was like, who's the Spanish guy that took sixth place? That's what I thought. I was like, God, Spartan Race is so legit. This very exotic-looking guy from overseas came over and and slapped his shin open. Little do I know it's Glenn Race in Southern California. But 
I was like, Spartan Race is larger than life. We got guys like this coming over and doing this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got 10th, but I'll take 6th, you know. <laughs> Let me – can I direct this? Oh, Kirk, I was there injured yeah. that year. You were there watching me. You uh, you still – yeah, you still made me feel the worst I've ever felt about a spear throw in my life. And you probably don't even know this. <laughs> no, what happened? Well, back in the leaderboard days, I was one of the athletes, and and we had like a monthly Facebook call, and you walk – everybody through their race and then you say and then kurt comes in looking like he spent too much time in the gym and he's busting out of his 2xu compression cutoff looking like he's in a different sport and he comes up to the spear throw and it was the most pathetic wimpy spear throw it didn't even make it to the target and you embarrassed me bracken so i know you were there that's that tracks that sounds right but i did the same exact thing the year before and you and you ate more Made more fun of me than that. I was just summarizing. I was just jealousy coming out sideways. <laughs> it's uh, but I was, well, I was there tracking that race, watching it, cheering you guys on. And at the bucket carry, Glenn comes running down and he goes, "Hey, uh, how bad does it look? I fell and I cut my leg." And Yancey and I are both there, and it really looks like a small shark bit his knee. It was a crescent-shaped gash there, and you could see the little fat globules inside, and like it was open and out there. And we both said the same thing, like, it's fine. It, it looks good. Keep going. You're looking great. <laughs> because he was still top 10, and he's rolling, and then he takes off from there, and we look at each other, and we're like, that is the nastiest <laughs> gash I've ever seen in an endurance sport. And it's not even close, but he's doing so good. We just we got to get him to the finish line. <laughs> Good coaches right there. You're good coaches. Yeah. You know, you got to lie I think sometimes. you started to like, I got to retire this and you answer your eye or someone's like, no, you're fine. Go, go, go. It's good. Don't waste time. <laughs> hey, speaking of lying and like cheating and like, um, I have some new confession corner. This, this is a conf- confession. Maybe this is later again. Like we could, I have a few new ones and I'm sorry. I feel bad, but just. Well, to yeah, preface this, know. the last time you were on, we mm-hmm. had confessional corner, yeah, where we all admitted to our most egregious, I think our most egregious race cheating that we've ever done, and you came up with some mo- some more because I I think I remember you already had a lot. I, and, I did. And Glenn, and Kirk I reminded you. me of it in this last race brain. Okay, I just brought it up. Right. <laughs> Palmerton. Palmerton. That's a pretty flagrant yeah. cheat there. Too. I heard that. It, wa- it was. Um, and, it, you know, I deserve it. And, yeah, when you brought that up, Race Brain, in your the latest episode, which is great. I listened to it, the whole thing, yesterday. Um, but, um, yeah, I f- it reminded me. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I have, like, two or three more. This is horrible. And it's in revolving DECA. Get them off your chest, Glenn. It's going to feel good. Get them off your chest, Glenn. Let's do Okay. This. Thank you, Father Bracken and Father Kirk. I... Oh, okay. So first off, um, <laughs> no, I'm going to, uh, no, it, I only did 18, um, shoulder overs in my first DECA, I think. And I knew I only did 18, but the lady said 20 and I went and I, I went anyways and they didn't go back and dock me. They didn't realize that I did that. And I knew it was only 18, but I'm like, well, you know what? It, it, it's fair because I think I did like they had me do two extra um, step over the box thing, so I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. And she she miscounted, and I just took advantage of that volunteer, 
And uh, it kind of reminds me of the whole, uh, what you guys were talking about with uh, what happened to the fella um, who beat Jack, but then they mm-hmm. uh, gave him an extra 30 seconds because he did one less of the tank push, I think. Did your cheating impact the race results? Did you beat somebody or got, like, would it have affected the results? Um, No, but I would have had a slower time. And, hey, maybe Jack, that, with Jack's, Thirty-one forty-seven would have beat my thirty-one forty-three. <laughs> so, but he ended up going to champs oh, anyway. That's close. But yeah, two. That's four or five seconds. He, if I was, yeah. So, although yeah. two extra reps of stepovers. Yeah. Yeah. Then so. I think you would have beat him by a second. Yeah, but, um, but I took it. I didn't. I wouldn't. I didn't. I yeah. So that there is that, and uh, there's a more. There's a more. So I feel like. I do these, there's like, what is it called? You get your comeuppance. Um, I get kind of cursed. And um, when I do these bad things, Father Bracken, and it's just, that's, I deserve it. So what happened the next time, this is at World Champs at the Deca Mile. I went to a tank that had a little slightly less uh, weight in it that I may or may not have like noticed before that I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> uh, and um, this God, one, this had, I think it had only a 40 pound, a 40 pound weight instead of the 60 in it. And so I uh, might've like noticed that before. And I'm like, Oh, and one of them, the tanks, I don't think had any weight in it, but I think Brack, uh, Rylan or um, Kent took that one, but that was the first one. So they would have maybe luck- taken that anyways. They weren't like devious and cheaters like me. But um, I noticed like, well, if that's how it's set up, um, oh man, it's the race is about to start. I don't have time to tell anyone. So I guess I'll have to do it. And sure enough, there there's, I think, a lower weight in the one I did. However, um, my trying to like uh you know, take advantage of that cursed me because I wore my, go back, I wore my, uh, uh, super shoes. Um, and that has a grip that I like, uh, I've talked to Bracken about that. I put on a VJ grip that I thought would give me some like great advantage and it ended up making me feel like a retard. Cause I was just like to, uh, going, doing my, uh, sled push and, or the tank push and the grip worked great on asphalt but when i was going on the uh push on my deca mile event it was like super slippery on the on the concrete and i'm like felt so dumb because i even knew it felt a little slippery when i was trying it a little earlier when i was prepping and i'm like this this doesn't feel like good grip and i even had a second pair yeah anyway it I pulled like a Mark Godet because I think in Palm Beach he had the wrong Coca shoes and he even like, you know, multiple people have had this happen where you're wearing shoes that normally it's pretty grippy, but on that slick concrete, um, it, and it actually, it's weird because the, the shoes, the same shoes were great at the Deca Fit in Chicago and the grip was awesome, you know, and I felt like, oh, I have a super shoe. I'm super smart and tr- for like you know making my own frankenstein shoe and i'm really good and that's going to give me an advantage but it ended up killing me because for some reason it's either more slick at the atlantic city venue but just as a note for everyone out there like don't like be really careful like make sure you get one of those shoes and you guys have mentioned it in the past like get there's only a few pairs of shoes that have extra good grip for that kind of slick 
concrete. And I just bought a pair. I think you guys mentioned it. It's, I think it was called Brooks um, Hyperion something or one of those. Hyperion Tempo. Yeah, Tempo. And it's not the lightest shoe and it doesn't have the super stuff, but it has good grip. And I'm like, screw this. Like, stop trying to go super shoe. Like, just get something with good grip because I got so screwed. Like, Kevin uh, Gregory was way behind me in the deck a mile and he, like, passed me on the sled. He made up, like, a minute on me because <laughs> I was an idiot. <laughs> I, like, was slipping on. I was trying to push the sled. I lost insane amount of time. I went from, like, fourth to seventh and or eighth on the deck a mile. And it was on the sled that I tried to get the lighter weight on. So, eh, well deserved. That's what I get for trying to you know, cherry pick a, a tank. So just as a, you know, note to everyone out there who's trying to cheat like me, don't do that and tell Yancey that the weights are lower. Cause I think they had still the women's weights and you know, not all the volunteers did that. So sorry guys, I feel horrible again. This might've been worse than Palmerton. I don't know. Palmerton, at least I thought, Oh, maybe they just marked it weird. So me and on Hill, you know, went another way. Oh, not on Hill. I mean, a Quintero. I don't want, or no, I asked you, I said his name already. Great. He, he's, he's with me on that. Oh, sorry, guys. I just kind of let him down. He's going to get a lot of uh, grief for that. Now, he won't understand it, so it's fine. But yeah, me and Mr. Q from Mexico uh, took that wrong course. So I don't know which was worse, kind of. But I, I knew about that. So You want to know what's worse about that? Is I went the wrong, that exact wrong way in that exact same race. But then I had to climb back up the double black diamond to get back on course, if it's the same spot, which I believe it is. Yep. I went my ass back up the mountain to get back on course, Glenn. So, Because you're honest. No. Oh. Well, because I'm, maybe I'm dumb. I cheated in my last race. Okay. <sighs> Rich and I got a lot of flack after uh, doubles, our doubles oh, championship. The shoulder thing. Yeah. I kept the sandbag and high rocks on one shoulder, not two. Oh, did you know about that, or was it was an accident? You didn't know. That's not cheating. That I knew. Much. I read the rule. I read the rule book the night before, like two weeks out, and then the night before every competition, every race I've ever done. Oh wow! Because I want to either find a loophole or avoid tripping up. Yeah, and like the Ryland Chade thing is the perfect reason why you need to do that because I don't think he gained a single advantage by using chalk on an outdoor OCR race, other than to protect his hands. And uh, cost him a world championship podium. Yeah. But I read High Rocks like usual. And the way their rule book, it has bullet points mm. in the rule book. So the first bullet point talked about how you must progress the sandbag. And then the final bullet point talked about resting the sandbag. And it said, you can stop moving, but you cannot set the sandbag down. If you set it down, you have a 10 meter penalty. If you set it down again, you have to start over or something like that sandbag must remain on your shoulders at all times on both shoulders at all ah. times but it was the third sentence of a single bullet point and so i read it as this pertains to when you're resting has to be touching both shoulders oh. meaning you can't front load it or put it down on your knee when you rest so i read the rule but i had no clue it would it meant not just this bullet point but everything above it so i was aware of it and I did not put it on both shoulders one single rep throughout there. Okay. I forgive you. Not once. And I shuffle stepped, I think, three times. Well, I can absolve you both of your sins if you need me to. Do you need me to absolve you guys? Anybody? Are you yes. Good? Nope. Oh, no. Nope. 
No, I think I think the only way to be absolved of these is to make up for it on the race course. I think you have to listen to and sing the running public intro ten times, Glenn, and then I think you need to watch Rise of the Sufferfest to finish, and then you will be absolved of your sins. <laughs> okay? That's my Thank you, Father Kirk. You're welcome. I'd rather do a high rise. <laughs> okay. I'm going to redirect the ship for a second because I have a few specific things <laughs> I want to get to, and now that – I've allowed you to direct this ship. Now I'm taking the wheel, Glenn. Okay. One specific <laughs> thing, though, that was not on my plan, but you brought up, and now I'm I'm digesting this. There was about a two-year period there when Glenn Race went after ultras, and Glenn Race got slow. <laughs> Glenn Race fell off the podiums in the shorter races. I mean, you had an agenda, and that was the longer stuff. But I remember beating you by like five minutes in SoCal. And I didn't even think I ran that well one time, for example. And I was like, where'd Glenn today? And this was in your ultra. You just did it as like a uh, something to sharp yet other stuff going, right? Which I totally understand. But it certainly did not help your short end fitness from what I remember. And now you're talking about these shorter, spicier workouts. You're doing mile repeats. You're doing these hybrid style. And now your 5K times are fast and you're running quicker again. Can you just talk me through that? And maybe my impression of what happened for that year or two when you shifted is wrong, but I recall that it notably impacted your ability to race shorter. What do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I just didn't do... Like, I should have probably, like, kept thrown in a nice spicy interval workout more often. And I think I just... I kind of had a gap in my training and I just had the wrong idea where, Oh, I was, I, I don't know. I, I have to go back and look at the, my training log, but I wonder if I was really, I got to go all in on one thing and I forget that it, th- there's benefit to do some of that short stuff and that benefits, you know, ultra level, you know, training. And there's some benefit to that. And I think I probably dropped the ball too much and went a little too extreme on focusing every all like both of my quality work to be focused on that i think um during that time and um well to interrupt i remember looking at your strava during that time and to be like glenn just did 26 miles today with seven thousand feet of vert and then the next day he went back out and he did like 18 miles with like 3,000 feet of vert. It was like stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm just making that up, but I don't think I'm that far off. Like I remember seeing you were putting in the time. You were climbing 10,000 plus feet a week or 20. I mean, I don't know what. And you were just putting in a lot of volume. I remember seeing it reflected like in that time. It was just lots of time on feet. And then you'd show up and I know they weren't your focus like I had mentioned, but and then your turnover, you had lost sight of that. Um, so I just wanted to hear you. I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I remember just, I don't remember seeing spicy stuff. I remember seeing exactly what you're outlining. Yeah. I feel like that was, that's pretty accurate. And maybe I was still in the transition time of figuring out to try to do, yeah, like double, you know, you've talked about it a lot. Like, okay, how does, how do double long runs work when you're working on ultras? And do I take two days easy between every hard day? I was kind of. I think in 2017, that was one of my best fitness. I had my best finish at Spartan World Champs in eighth place. And I had a couple of my fastest times on a lot of my, um, like, hill intervals. And I, ha- I was very fast in 2017. And I remember I worked 
I had hard work every other day, did a hard workout every other day. And I remember I, it did kind of start to burn me out a little bit. So in 2000, the next year, 2018 and 19, when I got into ultras, I was kind of figuring out where that goes. And I don't think I, yeah, had it all dialed in yet, but, um, cause I was changing things up by going to longer and I was maybe not doing some short stuff. And because if I did short stuff, I felt like, oh, it might take me longer to recover to do my next long run. So, yeah, it's definitely a, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of like moving parts. And um, I just wasn't able to dial it in because it's like, I, then it's like, it's weird because, you know, you try to get good at something. And then like, I didn't found I wasn't that good at ultra like I wanted to be expectation wise. And now I lose my short stuff, too. <laughs> so it's like, but then. Yeah. So then that's what, that's what got me back to afterwards, subsequently getting back into like, well, I know I could still do pretty good on a couple like 5k time trials I would have done. And I'm like, wow, I'm still pretty fast. Okay. Let's get back in the short stuff because you know, there's far and few between with the ultra Spartan races and you have to travel. And like I said, back to the, where like, then I could, I'm able to get um, it's less stress on the family when I'm out less weekends, it's more sustainable. It goes back to that consistency thing. And I started, that's when I locked in my little routine of two hard workouts and a long run every week. And I just do that my seven day periods back to back to back. And that, that shifts and it, and it like progresses as you're getting towards a, a race. And, but like throughout the year, that kind of has been where like, okay, I can sustain this. And like you said, well said, where I really look forward to my long workouts. And it's a fun little ritual every morning, taking my stuff, getting ready the night before, encouraged me to sleep really, get some good sleep, because I know the big effort's coming. And um, yeah, that's been like, all that has come together um, to keep it a sustainable thing. Keep stresses low work out things with the family. I mean, like I said, we got five kids age ranges from two to 14 and there's a lot obviously going on and everyone's got stuff going on, even if they don't have kids and they're in a different life situation because you, your time will fill up with something, you know, it's just for me, besides family stuff and training and my work, I basically like don't do lots of other stuff that pro people probably do like, um, to fill, fill time in between because it's such a specific focus that I have. And that's probably maybe that as another point to touch on where that might help performance wise, because I decided uh, I'm not going to, you know, focus on a lot of other maybe side friendships that I have and spend time elsewhere because everything's so focused on family and the extended family hangout time where there's no other time to do other stuff with friends because training has a pretty big focus and being able to work that out with my wife and family and like have it so like my doing shorter workouts going from ultra to now short stuff um, my wife likes that because now I could just have a short workout in the morning and that keeps things keeps the gears turning <laughs> with being able to like her okay, be cool with my things I'm doing less races this year great that works out good for her you know, and being able to have it work with family is, it's like, because then if you're like stressed, like, oh, they don't want me to do a hard workout because I'm, it's, I'm do, being selfish with my time and not spending time with the kids. But if you're, if you're able to work that well to say, whenever, basically my rule now is whenever my wife wants to do any type of workout, yes, 
no matter what. Like, cause she, cause I get to do mine and I'm like really lucky that she's really gracious. And, you know, so it doesn't matter. Like even if I'm super tired, you know, if she wants to go out with her friends, go do any workout, it has to be yes. Cause those are the kind of things that keep stress low and keep the family nice and fun and tight, do fun things. If the kid wants to play and do anything, ha- yes. You know, like go to the park with the kids every time, no matter how tired you are, because the rest of the family, you know, make sacrifices to allow me to do certain things that I like. So I think that's one piece of the puzzle, because I think if you get stressed and you don't have a lot of humor and you're not listening to Norm McDonald um, comedy bits, you're not like, you know, you, you, that's that sustainable thing. You're not smiling, having fun, even if there are some of it's kind of not little dirty jokes, but, um, you just, uh, yeah, I think that is, it goes a long way. And, um, so that, that's one of my little takes on it. Um, I'm not even going to get into the whole injury prevention bit of it. So getting older, that's a huge part of it, but I could go on and on, but, um, I'll let you, I think we should. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But first I think it's important that that piece you just touched upon is reiterated that sustainability of training plans that is weightier the older you get. Now, I can't speak to being a 43-year-old, but I can speak to having children and a wife who is supportive and the stressors of trying to pursue something that is no longer your sole source of income. <laughs> you know, there was a while where you and I were racing and it needed to provide for our family. You less than me because you always had your your day job, but you still were racing and that was part of what you were bringing to the table was your racing. And when that stopped being the case for us, when it was no longer like, this is part of what puts bread on the table, it's a little less acceptable to compromise family time (laughs) for big workouts when the only benefit that comes out of it is we feel pretty cool if we PR. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I trained, I went the ultra route short, not, I didn't go the ultra route, but I trained for the Tahoe ultra, trained all summer for the Tahoe ultra and at the world championship. And I went out there. And Lisa never says anything negative. She either tells you something positive or she doesn't say anything at all. And you know, if she's not telling you something, she's not telling you something. (laughs) So she didn't say a whole lot during that training plan. And she said a lot of, hey, I understand. I get it. Not, I'm really excited for this long run on on Thursday night, followed up by another long (laughs) run on Saturday. And so afterwards I said, you know what? That's it. I'm not going to do another block like that ever again. And she said, thank you. <laughs> you know, that was all it needed to be said. And I realized, okay, she and I both are on the same page that this isn't bringing in our income. And so it can't be drawing away from all the other things that we're supposed to be doing well at. Mm. Like I'm supposed, like you said, I'm supposed to be going to the park with the kids. But if I'm trash from trying to hit the high volume and big workouts, now I'm not doing that. But I'm also not making up for that little missed piece by enhancing our life by winning all this race money. Hmm. And for most people listening, your pursuits, best case scenario, make you feel good and make you a better person for having done it. Hmm. It's not putting bread on the table. You're right. It's not providing for your retirement. And so it can't detract from the things you're already supposed to be good at. And so that sustainable schedule, now I've done ultras since then. 
but it was a different schedule type. Mm. It was finding, like for example, we're a, we're a NASCAR family now. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it just came up out of nowhere. But Sunday now, it's expected that you sit on the couch for four hours, which means my biggest workouts have to be Sunday morning. Mm. If I'm going to be a mess afterwards, if I'm going to be useless to the family, it might as well come at a time where they're not expecting me to be anything other than watching something with them. And suddenly you can train for an ultra. Mm. If I get permission to lay on the couch all Sunday because that's what everyone else is doing, that's a good time to do that. So finding that sustainable routine, even if it's not your ideal routine, is huge for the person who has other things in life and is progressing down the age timeline. Mm -hmm. Amen, Father Bracken. People have less patience for your pursuits the older you get. At some point, it becomes cool again. Yeah. Like Richard Bogue, you see him out on the yeah. course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rocking in the Masters and everyone's like, man, look at that all-star. But from about 30 to 50, it's not cute anymore. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things you could be doing for us that you're not doing. It's not cool to be middle-aged and spending all your time working out if you're not doing anything else with it. And we're all so firmly in that zone where it's not cute anymore. We had the fun of pursuing goals. We had the fun of running fast. We had the fun of that's a cool part of your life. But now we've done all the races. Mm. The NBC thing came and went. The TV shows came and went. The paychecks came and went. <laughs> now if you're doing it, it better coincide with the other pieces of your life. Because, Glenn, you've got about, what, 25 years before it's cool and cute again? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's a big time chunk to spend making sure that you're not detracting from everyone's life around you. Right. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I know. I remember a bunch of years ago when I first started, um, they were saying how Cody Moat has four kids and he was training and he's one of the won some like, you know, mountain marathon championship thing. And someone like, and he said, Oh yeah, I have to train a couple hours for that. And someone on, some Facebook post. This is back when Facebook was, and they were like, really, how can you call yourself a good father for like training a couple hours a that day? Like, Oh, that's, him. you're like, that's like child abuse. <laughs> like they were, that was, I thought it was just hilarious, especially now. Like Cody Moat, like he's yeah. like the best dad ever. I don't know. It just seemed like he's like a coach and he, he's like, I don't know. I, I aspire to be like Cody Moat when I get older, you know, yeah. he's, the best. Um, they didn't know he was strapping on his headlamp and doing mountain runs in the morning before going to work. Yeah, right. And yeah, but it could be perceived as being like, oh, uh, you're not there for your kids. And yeah, and some people are, yeah, you can screw that up big time, you know, and sometimes, yeah. So I feel like that's a thing where you need to be, yeah, um, cognizant of. And I think the way you said it was great. Yep. You have to know our place it's not not as cute so yep i agree for sure and but yeah yeah like that's like i said for me you know letting my wife do whatever she wants <laughs> is key because she essentially she lets me do whatever i want and it's like to be super thankful like to be appreciative and aware of that not have expectations like oh i should do that because it's like like my, my pursuits are any more noble because they're actually like just they're, they're as selfish as it comes to an extent, right? So, and then if you could bring kids and like share the load, bring kids to events, bring, 
you know, them, you know, not bring my wife. I learned that stresses her out. So you have to do stuff, make it fun and sustainable or like go to events that are fun for the kids and spend the money to make it into a vacation if that works. And so um, as much as possible. So, yeah, agreed. Ah, yes. I remember in uh, Vegas, you couldn't stay for the award ceremony because you brought your two oldest with you and they were in the hotel room. And you're like, they're either going to burn the place down or kill each <laughs> other, but I, I'm just going to race. I had to take two kids off my wife's hands. I can't stay for the wards, and I'm not racing tomorrow. This was my window, and I took two of them with me. And I, maybe they were like 12 and 10 at the time. I don't know. And I was like, dude, that guy's putting it together. Like that, like that. You're moving a lot of pieces around, which I appreciate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's good when they get to that age because you're able to pull stuff off. Because back in the day, we couldn't do that. It was like all the kids would have to come, and they're all dirty. And yeah, it's, uh, it's nice <laughs> when you can, uh, manage it. And, uh, that's, that's the, the memory you remember. <laughs> the kids have to come and they're all dirty. They're all in the mud and my wife's like, this sucks. Like they're, I, I make them do the kids race. They're crying, tromping through the mud, losing shoes. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I kind of, I feel bad. Like make like getting my having my wife come to so many of those spartan races where like now they're she's watching the kids and they're all dirty and they're like crying because their shoes are soaked and it's like oh my gosh race starts at seven we got to be the venue at six <laughs> six a.m at the yeah latest. now what are they gonna come later we have one rental car they have to stay home she's got all the kids in the hotel room <laughs> the entire time or they have to come out at six a.m and it's cold and they have to babysit the whole time <laughs> Those are long weekends. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, after so many of those, she realized like that's, this is not, it's not a fun thing for her. So it's, but she, she helped like, probably like Lisa, she was very, very patient and like, yeah, did it for longer than I should have allowed. Yeah, expected. So yeah, kudos to wives who allow us to do this. The sustainability piece, I think leads right to injury prevention. Agreed. Which it's the downside of sustainability is that you're not really riding a razor's edge there, which leaves a few percentage on the table in some people's mind. But the plus side is that it the more sustainable your training is, the less risky it is. Mm. Like going down to two quality workouts a week immediately removes one potential injury piece. So what have you found to be your injury prevention practices or the biggest keys to your health because you have been relatively healthy like you've had your back issues and such but all things considered for a 43 year old lifelong athlete you're in one piece yeah yeah so um wait, wait, wait say your question again just so i make sure i'm not like veering off again like i always do talking about a bunch of <laughs> i just just stuff. talk about your your injury prevention how are you staying uninjured yeah i think it's that goes back to routine, just like a routine with the, what I'm doing for my weekly workout, you know, routine, it's the routine and finding something that works. And it, it took 10, 15 years ago when I was getting into running, I couldn't run over 40 miles and my hip would start hurting. So I would have a PT give me a few stretches. And then I basically been doing that last 15 years where like so a few hip stretches after working out. And sometimes I don't, like I run in the morning and I don't do it till like I go to bed at 11. So it's weird. Like, but anytime after 
I'm done with my run between right after until going to bed, right before going to bed, but I have to do it. That's why I put it off because I, I do my workout and then I have to go back to work and then I'm like, oh crap, I didn't do my stretching, but I have to do it because I feel like there's a certain threshold. Your body could take this fatigue of like not stretching. I feel like in my body, like, and only so much, especially, and that a threshold of not stretching, you reach that really quick. The older you get <laughs> and the harder the workout, like only like a couple workouts, a couple days of missing stretching and I'll like start feeling like my hip, like getting a tinge of like, um, it's going to get, start getting strained or my calf will get strained if I don't do this daily workout where I'll just do your, some, um, like, actually I think I saw Kirk have like a YouTube video back in his pre Spartan days where you're like doing just some like core gym type uh, mobility exercises where you're on the ground doing some like core and like inner leg where you're doing like V things with your legs and a few back and forth scissor kicks. I do a little like five or six different stretches there for mobility slash stretching. And then I do a um, foam roller for my calves and my quads and my butt. And, um, like both sides, inner calf and outer calf. Um, and that's helped me prevent my, um, uh, what is it called? P, uh, uh, PT, not PT. Um, what's that called with your, the bottom of your foot gets, um, side plantar fascia. Yeah. Plantar fascia. Cause I've had that. And that's one reason why after slow, uh, last year after, um, Kirk kicked my butt on the running aspect of uh, that I race. finished like two minutes um, behind you. Yeah, well, if, without the spear f fiasco, um, I got crushed in the running part. But just the running in that uh, 10K of running jacked up my plantar fascia. And then ever since then, that's partly why I got into DECA. Because Yancey's like, hey, try DECA. And I'm like, oh, my plantar fascia is killing me when I do these hills. So, oh, great. I could, at least I could run flat a lot easier and it doesn't flare up the plantar fascia but all those things yeah so that that helped um but yeah go back to so yeah doing all that massage work very consistent i can't miss a day um the older i've been getting and i just have my little routine of that um of doing the the hip work and some core stuff and like i said with the uh, foam roller and then um trying to really know like when uh, to uh, call in, I have a, a guy um, who does like my massage therapy. Um, Luis de la Vega is a stud in San Diego. Give him a check him out on Instagram. He's great. But he he comes to my place and um, works on me for an hour and does like super good like sports massage. He's this obstacle racer himself. But you find someone good who, when you start getting in a pinch and you feel like ah, oh, like even my regular daily stretching like if you have a lot of high volume or you're doing a lot of work and you start getting that feeling like you need a little extra boost in your, um, like the massage work, um, find a good, good solid person who knows what they're doing. Uh, even if they don't know what they're doing <laughs> and they're cheaper, at least that is better than not doing anything. So, um, cause it's, it's better than when you, when I work on myself typically. Um, and like you, whatever those vib vibration, what are they called? Like the uh, machines that, um, there guns. Yeah. Those kind of things like those, those are great too. Any of those uh, gadgets that help too. sure. Whatever, whatever you need, I'm sure everyone has their, um, their go-to things for that, but like being able to like not miss a day, like 
I don't go to sleep without like being able to get on that. And um, same with on the other end of the workout, like a hard workout today, I do my little 15 minutes of like warm up, 15, 20 minutes of like, you know, jog for a mile and do all my strides and pickups and um, like high knees, butt kickers before any hard workout. Um, before my, my two hard workouts, I always do that little routine whether you do what are those called karaoke's where you like do a high 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 knee over and yeah your little always have a nice little Does anyone know why they're called karaoke? Isn't that some coach guy who was that the name of a coach who in football or something who did that? Maybe you got a goop. I don't know. I've always wondered it. Yeah. Jamie, um look that up for us please. Uh <laughs> No, it's just um but yeah, that's like just your kind of having that aspect of routine too and i think that goes towards injury prevention i used to be you know in your 20s you could go out run your fastest mile time i would go out at lunch when i was 25 you run a mile as hard as you can and then you just come back and you go back to work you know and you're fine you maybe you know do like one measly stretch after you do that yeah you could get away with that but now i never go hard on a track interval unless i do my little routine you you, you know you warm up all muscle groups of your leg one at a time, you know, and I feel like that's keeps me so I don't, I still sometimes feel, get little tweaks and, um, strains in the calf, but typically that, um, those go away if you kind of do your little routine and then I do four, you know, um, hundred meter strides before any interval workout kind of get things going. So, you know, uh, everyone I'm sure has their own little, uh, flavor of how they do that pre and post hard workout. Um, stuff but um i only do the those that routine pre-workout routine if it's a hard workout um any workout i do all my stretching and um self-massage stuff um afterwards even if it's a really really easy day even if it's an off day i might even still do that just to um kind of make sure my legs are um, not building up in like the muscle tension or I don't, you guys probably know the right word to use. You know, the muscles get fatigued if you don't, uh, like, yeah, stretch them out a little bit. But that's my deal. I don't know. Oh, I'm here. And as it comes comes back down to mobility work for you and doing the piddly shit, as we call it, and TLC, you're doing all the maintenance work and range of motion work. And I could not agree with you more about when you get older, our bodies and muscles become rigid and they become tighter and it takes more and more time put into keeping things open and flexible and elastic and not slowly oxidize it. Like combating the oxidation process will eventually kill us all. And you're just slowing that down in that area or preventing it from getting bad, right? You're keeping the rubber bands out of the freezer, as I call it. That's important. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yep. I did a little Googling. Karaoke drill. It's carioca with a C. It's from Brazil, which would make it a Portuguese term, I believe. It's a style of dance, and it's used as a warm-up drill. And Americans bastardized it and said, that's not karaoke, that's karaoke. That's how we say it. We just say it wrong. So it's actually carioca spelled differently. It's with a C. And it's from Brazil. Portuguese. There you go. We all learned something today. People get anything out of this? It's don't eat your vegetables and what karaoke is. <laughs> we'll have to double check with Johnny Luna Lima. Yeah, we will. 
Maybe he has some insight on this, being Brazilian. All right, let's look at the clock. Let's be respectful of one another's time, and let's trim the fat all simultaneously here, Glenn. I want... Oh, come on. Trim... What are you trying to say? I'm not saying... Just because I gained some weight. Listen, now, Glenn, I gained, too. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I know. Kirk's the only one not gaining weight here. Glenn races top five hot tips to performing well while aging. Top five hot tips. Brief, you know, elevator pitch on each of oh. the five. What are the top five hot tips for Glenn Race? And then we're done with this podcast. Then we're ending. So this is what, right. this is what we're doing. Oh, gosh. Glenn Race top, top five hot tips. Elevator pitch. To being sexy and running fast. Is this like at the 40s. Empire State Building elevator or... <laughs> Uh, like, As you know, that's how I roll with my long-winded... Whatever elevator you imagine uh, yourself on. Hot is a tips. Game. Yep, what are the top five hot tips? <laughs> for um, hot tips for what specifically? <laughs> Performing like, well and being for, like, sexy. Doing well while 40s. getting older. Yeah. <sighs> See, I just... <laughs> This is, I'm making your Memory brain work this way training. right now, Glenn. You need your you need to we need to. I know it's good. Rain you in. Let's see it. Let's hear it. Yeah, there we are. Okay. Um. Well, yeah, yeah. This is stuff that we touched on where it's number one. What's the number one tip? I'm doing this to you. Yeah. Sorry. Consistency. Consistency. No. Consistency. Yeah. Don't freeze your rubber bands. Don't freeze Don't your rubber bands. Freeze the rubber bands. Yeah, yep. that's definitely something. And but it's it's interesting because it goes on to many aspects, as we said. But we're moving on because this is a short elevator, um, and having a uh, low stress it would be good and because you could stress about food, weight, sleep, life, you know, yeah, family. So that's I think that's. That covers a lot, like a lot of these um, hot tips. Is that number two? I thought that was just number two. Consistency and low stress. That's what I got. You can't see my rubber band. Low stress is number two. I mean, that's a great one, actually. I think that goes into the sustainability piece, right? So, and consist. I mean, yeah. Right. I'm only at two. What are you at, Bracken? How many hot tips do you have? Two. Rubber band was just a in parentheses for number one. Yeah, exactly. That's why I have two. Um I have noted here, and I think it's true because it's guided a lot of where I kind of go year to year with where I focus is do what you like, uh, things that motivates you. Because I think a lot of people are get have to be um, intrinsically motivated, self-motivated with a lot of what we're doing, going out day to day. And so you want to be motivated and uh, inspired. Like I get, yeah, see a lot of masters guys like crush it do what you want to do instead of doing what you feel like you should like don't put a square peg in a round hole right like just do follow what actually excites you yeah is that what you're saying yeah do what you like yeah okay boom that's the third yeah uh fourth i think i'm looking at my the word deca here and i saw um specialization and um what is it yeah, that is one of my things because specifically for obstacle, being specificity is as being key is a huge one with training, and that goes a long way. And so that's don't why be we a generalist, be a specialist. You think that's how you sharpen your fitness spear? Is that what you're saying? For me, 
Yep, for me. And since we're not talking about other people, we're talking about me because it's about me, this podcast. <laughs> and that's what I do. That's what I specialize. <laughs> and so uh, it's okay to be selfish when it's about me. And then the last thing would be just uh, compromised, which is like sort of in a subset of like um, specialist, but it's that um, mod what, how, what what's the what how do you say what's the words for mod again maximum available under duress mm that's good stuff yeah i need to get your guys' shirt with that or something and cuz i really that's uh it's better than the bower objective obstacle based system <laughs> that was the other one that came up in the moment uh so yeah i think we'll give you that oops, shirt that is, that is yeah having that as <laughs> is been key to perform well because it's like you could see uh, you could do a 5k and you could be a 15 minute 5k and hey look i beat vj and uh i was faster than him by six you know in a 5k but he'll smoke me by many minutes on on us on another race where that uh you know compromise running is a game changer like on multiple levels so exponentially important so yes five what, can you recite the five for us? Your five pillars that you should have memorized and know very well. What are those five, Glenn? Yeah, it is consistency. Yep. Uh, well, I, I took notes, so I'm oh, cheating here. Cheater. Consistency, um, low stress, and I forget the third one. And uh, being able to have a um mod is the fifth and the fourth one was um compromised running <laughs> no shoot no <laughs> the fourth one was uh don't lose your memory when you get old um was uh, being able to be uh specific yeah. um with it the third one was do what you like so roundabout but um yeah and i feel like no two resonate with me are those hot tips are low stress and do what you like i think those will sustain you longer than any of the other three there's anything you get it's try to minimize your stress so you still have like shits to give about your training and your performing and then um do what you like because you'll keep showing up for it that's what i think it's about longevity yeah and i think he just gave us our training tuesday Hmm. for next week training what how do you take those two guiding principles, low stress and do what you like and fit it into a training system hmm. other than just, I'm going to go every day and do exactly what I feel with what is available to me in the time I have outside of the totally winged approach. How do you take all the things that people like to do and will de-stress them and fit it into nice, pretty little days of the week? Hmm. I think that would be a fantastic follow-up to this. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. You guys are good. You're going to get an executive producer credit on that training Tuesday. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. You guys uh, are able to kept, keep the podcast rolling with your great questions. And I uh, ah, always love listening to it, man. Always good stuff. So, Have we arrived at our closing statements from Glenn? <laughs> Is this that was, where we get that, that was long my attempt joke to list? Stop, yeah, to get myself to stop talking uh, uh, more. What's up, Where's Kurt? the swear word? Where's the? Well, I had a question about your race faces. Like every photo, every photo I see of you, you just look like you are going to town in the well. And then I looked, I looked at like the same photos taken of me in SoCal, 
and I look like I'm just apathetic and like irrelevant. And then there's Glenn who could be on every photo, could be on every poster for Spartan race because you just look the part. Is that by design or do you, can you not help that? Are you a professional sports? I can't help that. Okay. Yeah. That awesome face. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. My, 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 um, really enjoys those pointing out my face when I'm doing those, uh, okay. yeah, different obstacles. I, I, yeah, I did the battle bunker and I was like going over one of the, one of the, off the rings. And like, I, I'm like, that is so weird looking, uh, <laughs> making those faces. Uh, but well, um, I appreciate it. I hope it's entertaining though. It is. Yeah. It is. But I just had a question. Okay. We can move on yeah. from that to your, to your closing statements, I guess. Yeah. My, my closing joke. Uh, it's just, but I don't know. I just wanted to let you guys know that. Did you know that uh, Chewbacca uh, ruined the Millennium Falcon, guys? <laughs> it it, it, it was a Wookiee mistake, but uh, it happened. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Did, did you have Good. to read that one? Sorry. Okay. Waiting on the profanity. I did. I, I haven't written down. Uh, but. No, I really want to hear you got. swear. Yeah. There's... Sorry, listeners. Oh. Was there... Um, you were going to say the word S-H-I-T, I think, <laughs> when you were talking about your problem, and you didn't. Yeah. I didn't... I, I did say... I did call myself the R word, so I don't know. Some people, that's that's a bad word to use earlier. That's a bad word to most yeah, people. I, yeah. I shouldn't say it. I'm, I'm poorly influenced by Norm MacDonald, because he has a bit on that, but um, yeah, I shouldn't. I, I can't bring it to myself. I had enough to confess for. I don't want to say these like shit and stuff. Oh no, no, because it's eh, yeah. I'm already gonna be uh, in the doghouse if some people come back and say, "Hey, Glenn, you shouldn't be saying that." But um, ah, anyway, yeah. By the way, I'm not gonna some cr- a crazy little thing to close on like um. I know I spoke a lot about my mom and my parents' situation with my dad being in prison and all that last time. Uh-huh. Just came out, and it's weird. Uh, uh, Dateline, NBC, just put out a podcast, like an audio version of the whole one-hour story, like last week. So a guy from work called really? me, and he's like, is that your family? I'm like, he's like, I, I thought that was your voice. I'm like, yep, that, yep, that's, that's the same story from 2008 that they put out right when he, uh, got put in prison. Wow. So yeah, it's crazy. It's fu- It's interesting how they just, it just keeps circulating and going through this whole, um, crazy thing. So just, uh, where can people find that? I actually would be very interested in listening to that. Where is that? Yeah, I think it's, I, I looked it up. I think it's just on Dateline NBC has a podcast and I think it okay. came out last week and my, my uh it's my dad's name is john race my wife's name my mom my mom's name was ann race so probably had something to do with like like ann race murder you know um mystery something um episode so yeah they just kind of recirculated back 15 years after the original release Hmm. um so um yeah yeah interesting stuff yeah it's actually it was interesting i was actually glad my coworker bring it up because it's still things come out about it because it's still a lot of aspects of it are unsolved and a bit mysterious after mm-hmm. my mom's disappearance but um anyway yeah a little side note there i missed that part of the conversation um when you guys chatted the first time so that's particularly i knew 
that it happened, but I had to leave. I don't know if you remember when you guys had chatted about it, so I'm gonna I won't I'll spare you from telling it mm-hmm. all again, but I'll go listen because uh, I care, and I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I just wanted to really leave this podcast on a positive, on a real positive note, real uplifting. Oh, my murder. Uh, so anyway. Uh, all right, guys. What? I'm good. Well, give them, give, give them the opportunity, Bracken, to tell the people what they need to hear today. Give, tell them to do that. Tell them, what, tell them to do that. That's your bit. Glenn, what is one thing everyone needs to hear today? Everyone... What? Why are you throwing this on me? I don't know. Because you're a positive man. You're always smiling. You're successful in life and in family. What's one thing everyone needs to hear? Uh, it's not on your note card. Oh, I know. This is in your soul. Yeah. Um, God, it's you're setting me up to say something real cheesy or something. <laughs> no, no something real. Yeah. Okay. It'll come from the heart. Uh Um. Uh yeah, I think uh, it doesn't have to be profound. I I think just um, take some time to. I know this is like it's age and it gives you wisdom. I should have a lot of it by now. Um, but take some time to think about what your priorities are in life, and um, yeah, just uh, make sure they're weighed properly and. I heard it from a wise man once just like not to take unnecessary risks in what you're doing in all aspects of life. So I'll leave it with that. I like it. That's what we were looking for. Glenn, it's a pleasure as always. Awesome, guys. Now go to the beach, Glenn.